Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Open your Bible to Mark chapter number 16. Mark chapter 16. We're teaching on on kingdom culture right now. And and culture is one of the most powerful things on the planet. Because culture dictates so much of what you do voluntarily as well as involuntarily. Voluntarily as well as involuntarily. But the problem or one of the problems with the modern day church is the idea of dragging your old culture into the new kingdom seems to be acceptable. But the reality of the new kingdom is the new kingdom has its own culture. Everybody say kingdom. If you don't understand kingdom, almost everything else in the Bible is a challenge to understand. Jesus had a cousin named John the Baptist. He went before him and he baptized people uh, unto repentance and literally was preparing the way for the Lord. But if you looked at the message that John the Baptist preached almost exclusively, it was repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus taught all over. And one of the things that he primarily taught was repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Because in America particularly, which is where I've lived my whole life, in America we have a democracy mentality. It is of the people, by the people, and supposed to be for the people. But a kingdom, that's not the case. In a kingdom, it is the king's domain or the king's dominion. In a, in a democracy, we get together and we elect people and we put them in offices and hopefully they represent us well. And then they write bills and those bills get voted on and those bills become the law of the land if enough people vote yes that have been voted into a place that are supposed to represent us. Those bills become the law. That's how a law is orchestrated. And if we want a law change, we vote somebody else in. They write a different bill. That bill is then voted by the people that were represented and it may or may not change the current or existing law. But that is of the people, by the people, for the people. That's how it's supposed to be. But in a kingdom, whatever the king says is the law. That means if Jesus said it, that settles it. Therefore, when you get in this kingdom, you have to understand if you go dragging the world's culture into the kingdom, you will set up a blockade or you will set up a dam for how far you will be able to go in this kingdom because in this kingdom, the new kingdom, there is a necessity and a requirement for you to change your culture into the likeness and image of God instead of dragging your old culture with so I'll just give you a few attributes. You can go back and watch online the, 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 the precursors to even this message. I'm giving different attributes at different, in, in each sermon. The, the first attribute we talked about was love. Now love is not, uh, in the, in the agape sense, uh, just an emotion. Love is actually an action. But you don't get to define what love is. You have to find out what is God's definition of love. And God's definition of love is for this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved 
us. In other words, he first loved us. So you can't just love the people that love you and act like you're loving with the love of God. Godless heathens that serve the devil love the people who love them. The question is, can you love the people that don't love you? That talk about you? That stick a knife in your back every opportunity they get? Now, don't think love means I'm going out to dinner with them every night. Come on, somebody. But love does mean you're going to be patient with them. You're going to be kind to them. You're not going to be envious over them. You're not going to be boastful over them. You're not going to have haughty eyes looking down at them. This is love. Another place the Bible says, for this is love, that you keep his commandments. If you say you love God, but you stomp all over his word, there is a challenge there in this new kingdom. That's the old kingdom's lifestyle getting drugged into the new kingdom. You can't sit and, and make up. You don't have the legal right to set your own cultures in his kingdom. He establishes what those cultures are. I'll give you one more. Uh, Our dialect, how we speak. How you talk, oftentimes, it's very clear where you are from. If I get anywhere north of, say, Waco, people start asking me, wow, you must be from the south. I'm like, yeah, if I get anywhere, God help me if I get way up there. Like I've been to New York and and whatnot. And I remember one person walked up to me and said, are you from Mississippi? (sighs) I had to count to 10 five times just to stop from cussing them out. (laughs) Mississippi, you know how many S's are in that word? How you talk tells where you're from. So if you sound like the world... But say you're a part of his kingdom. The Bible doesn't say you know a tree by the dead center of its core. You know a tree by the fruit that is hanging on its limbs. Oh, I'm a Christian. Jesus is in my heart. Great. Where's your fruit? You haven't loved anybody in a month. The only people you want to talk to are people that already agree with you. Look like you. Sound like you. Instead, you change. Somebody say change. You start to change into this new thing. The Bible says, behold, I do a new thing. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new because now I'm in the kingdom. So instead of me dragging my culture into the kingdom, I'm trying to let go of as much of my old stinking thinking culture as I can and say, Jesus, what is it in your kingdom that I can change to be more like? I want to represent you well, Jesus. This is what we're talking about. This is what culture does. So uh, there is a, a verse in the Bible and it says, write the vision and make it plain. There's one translation out there that says, write the vision so clearly that it can be read while you are running. So I always encourage you to take a note when something speaks to your heart because you never know when you want to go back to it. Just last night, I was laying in bed. It was about 12.30, and I don't know if I woke up or if I was still awake, but I I reached over, grabbed my phone because I'd been praying, and I said, I want to make sure and remember that this morning. I was so thankful that that had happened. I was so thankful that I wrote that down. And I tell you that story, but I could tell you a hundred other stories where I wish I had written it down and I couldn't remember it and I can't remember it now. So write the vision and make it plain. Take a note, be a note taker. So if you're a note taker, here's what we want to talk for the next few minutes about before we move to the baptism segment of this service. 
I want to talk about being fully immersed in the kingdom. An attribute of this kingdom is not one that you get halfway in and halfway out. The scripture says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The scripture says a man cannot serve two masters. He'll love one and hate the other, or he'll love this one and hate the other. You've got to choose to be fully, you have to choose to be fully, fully immersed in kingdom lifestyle. That means the body of Christ is what you are a part of and you try to become a bigger part of it all the time. You try to find out what is it about this kingdom? How can I move further in the things of God? Well, one of the things to be fully immersed is just to be obedient to the word of God. You know, Jesus himself, matter of fact, let's read it. Uh, uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said unto them, this is Jesus. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that does not believe shall be damned. Now, I want to point out real quickly, it does not say he that was not baptized will be damned. It says he that does not believe will be damned. Therefore, you don't have to sit there and try to split hairs on whether or not you believe. What if somebody believed and then they ended up dying immediately? What would happen? They would be right in the presence of Almighty God. That's exactly what would happen. But here's the thing. We're not trying to use the Bible like an insurance policy. This is not fire insurance. Come on, somebody. We're trying to find out what would please you the most, God, and that's what we want to do. So if Jesus says, believe and be baptized, then that's enough. Somebody say, that's enough. We don't need anything else. If Jesus said it one time and we ought to do it, then we ought to do it. When he said to receive Holy Communion, do this in remembrance of me. We don't need him to go past that. So every other example and every other element of revelation attached to that is for our benefit, but it is not necessary because if you're outside of obedience to God, you're outside of obedience. And a part of this kingdom, if you're going to be fully immersed, is to be obedient to the word of God. And that means when you hear about it and you find out what it says, you ought to follow it. You ought to do what the Bible says. But I'll just give you one. Here's the thing with our God. Everybody in the Bible that, 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 that calls on the name of the Lord, everybody that serves Jehovah God, there's some element of a sign of the covenant. Matter of fact, when Abram uh, became Abraham and God cut covenant with Abraham, there was a sign that God expected from all the children, uh, all the people in his household. Uh, He he said, you and everybody there is going to need to be circumcised. It was a sign of the covenant. I'd have to say this too, and I'll try to not be graphic, but it is a literal, at that time, cutting away of the flesh, and now God is looking for you when you go from the old kingdom to the new kingdom to spiritually do everything you can to cut away the flesh so that you can live over here in this new kingdom. But that was a sign of the covenant. Another sign of the covenant you can find in Exodus chapter 13 where the Bible says that everybody that served God was supposed to take the firstlings of their flock, the tithe of their flock, and bring it to the temple. 
This was very interesting time. So nowadays we tithe and offer to the house of God and we do so. It's very simple. We do it with our phones and checks and all this other stuff. But in those days, it was very, very different. It would be a sign of the covenant to everybody around you that you trust God more than you trust your goats. The reason is, is because if you had a hundred, a hundred sheep, uh, born, then ten of those would be your tithe. You'd be taking those ten sheep to the house of God. You wouldn't be dragging them in a, in a sheep trailer. You'd, you'd have a sheep drive going right down the middle of the road. And everybody would see where you were taking them. And they would realize that person trusts Jehovah God. That would be a sign that you are in the covenant with Almighty God. The scripture says that it would be like a frontlet between your forehead. That's a piece of jewelry that would hang there. He said nobody would be able to know, nobody would be able to think that you don't trust God when they see this. Then the Bible says if your kids ask you about it, like, Dad, what are we doing, man? We got all these sheep. First thing we're doing is taking them to church. What is this? He said, you don't understand, son. It wasn't always this way. We used to be in bondage, but God, through the blood of the Lamb, has set us free from Egypt. We have have gone through the water of the Red Sea, which is a type and shadow of the Red Sea, and now we are living in this covenant, and this is a sign that we trust God more than we trust our livestock. It's a shift, a sign of the covenant. So uh, water baptism is obedience, clearly, but it's also a sign of the covenant. Everybody in your Bible that was water baptized in Bible times, it wasn't necessarily, matter of fact, oftentimes it shortened their lifespan. Almost every disciple we read about was martyred for their faith. And their faith was public, which is how the people that hated Jesus and his followers knew that they followed him. So water baptism was a public sign, come on somebody, of an inward decision. You who are being baptized today, we're being baptized out here on the front lawn. We're, we're going to do it right out here on the front lawn. It's a public display of your faith. And thank God we live in America and double thank God we live in Texas. So we feel like we have a freedom to be able to do this. But there are places on this earth, if you call on the name of the Lord, they will either lock you up or kill you right now. There are reports coming out of Afghanistan that the Taliban had been going door to door looking for Bible apps on phones and killing the people who have a Bible app on their phone. Because it's a different thing when you serve God. So water baptism is not just obedience to his word. It's a sign of the covenant that we have with God. Now, bear with me for just another minute. I got about five more minutes before we move to the baptism. Maybe seven Matter of fact, who'll give me five minutes? You got five more minutes? Okay, keep them up high. I got five, 10, 15, 20, 20. The original word here where Jesus says be baptized is baptizo. And it doesn't mean to get wet. Matter of fact, there's two words in the Bible where we have bab, where we have baptized or baptism. The word bapto and baptizo. The word bapto literally means just to go in and come out. But the word baptizo 
which is the word here used by Jesus, is to be immersed and submerged until fully permeated, saturated, and wet. In other words, when you and I get baptized, it is an act of obedience. It's a sign of the covenant, but our life should be being baptized indefinitely in the kingdom of Almighty God. I've got some water here in a, in a tank and over here I have a, a few jars and I, and I just want to talk for just a minute, maybe about, the, there's probably more than three, but let's just talk about three different ways you can be. Say you come to church and you, you, you love, you love God, but maybe you treat church like you treat the local tire shop. You only go when there's a problem. And instead of Jesus being your best friend and God being your father, now you'll say that, but maybe you treat him more like a butler. I need to clean up on aisle three. I have a nail in my tire. Would you take the nail out of my tire so I can drive until I pick up another one? Now, I might pick up another one tomorrow, or it might be six months, or it might be 18 months. And then I'll come back. I'll circle back. Because you drug the culture of the world into this new kingdom. Because the cultural world gets gas when we're almost empty. The culture of the world gets more eggs when we're out of eggs. But Jesus said, I will stick closer to you than any family member you have. One of my favorite things about God is found in Genesis 1 and 2. When God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. I feel like the Bible is saying more than anything else, I want to be with you. And if we treat him like a repair shop, that's usually what we'll get. So you'll come to church but it'll be kind of like you're watching Shamu. Anybody ever been to SeaWorld? I'm not sure if you can do SeaWorld anymore. They might have shut that down. So you're watching everything happen. And if you sit in a certain spot, you're in what they call the splash zone. You don't get in the water, but some of the water gets on you. And you get all the feelings. Oh, that was so powerful. Woo! I had goosebumps on top of my goosebumps. Did you know you can get goosebumps watching a scary movie? Our God is not a goosebump. And what you have when you're living in the splash zone and sitting in the splash zone is what you're actually doing is you're living off of somebody else's encounter. Their encounter is getting on you just enough. And if you don't like it, 
You can back up as far as you want and never feel it. And then you say, I believe in it. I just don't do it. Because you're treating God, you're treating his house, you're treating the kingdom like a repair shop. That's not you. But just look at your neighbor to your left. Just tell him he's talking to you now. Then there's this other seat. I, I found the water is so beautiful because the Bible even calls the word of God the water of the word. But a vessel that's clear, to be honest, it looks like it has water in it. So to the world and to the untrained eye, and I promise you the Lord's is not untrained. You could even look the part. You can even get to the place where you say, man, I want to go all in. And instead of sitting in the splash zone, and we're not just talking about being baptized now. I'm talking about living the kingdom culture of our God. Instead of just sitting in the splash zone, you know, I want to go all in. Take me there, Jesus. And you get yourself fully submerged in who he is. And looking from the outside, it looks like, What they're experiencing is actually on the inside as well. But as soon as Sunday service or Wednesday night service or life group is over, boom, I'm back to reality. And everything that I was submerged in is now running off of me. Until now, I'm just as dry as I was before I went in. I would even say, Subject to being dried and calloused by every wind of doctrine that blows. Because you look the part. I would even say this is a form of godliness. But you have denied the power thereof. So how did I deny the power? Well... You can't pour in a vessel with a lid. There's two different encounters that can happen for you when you go all in. You can either decide that not only do I want to be submerged in this kingdom and fully immersed. I want what is in the kingdom, not just around me. I want what's in the kingdom in me so that when you come out, you actually are not the same, but now you actually have the opportunity to be a vessel that can pour out into others. And as you pour out, the Bible says those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, we don't stay this way. We come back to the source and get filled again because being baptizo, being filled, being baptized is not just getting wet. It's being filled while we are wet so that what's on the outside, let the winds blow. It can't dry up what God has put on the inside of me. How many times has somebody that you know been going through something and you've walked by them on your way back to the source just to get filled again and the reality was is you never poured anything out. 
somebody at work's going to say something to you this week and you're going to know a scripture that would work perfect for it. I dare you to just pour some of what you have in. You can't save what you have and still have room for God to give you more. There has to be an element in this kingdom where you're not just going halfway. I'm not just sitting in the splash zone. I'm going in with reckless abandon and saying, God, whatever you want, I want to be filled by what you have to offer. Because if not, how will they know? How will somebody know that what's inside you is different. I'm talking about being fully immersed. I'm talking about changing how you talk. Changing how you think. Don't treat the Bible and church and the kingdom as an offshoot of your life. I remember one time Jesus was threatened. They were like, you need to tell us, when is this kingdom showing up that you're talking about? And he makes this incredible statement. He says, the kingdom is within you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be shocked when I get to heaven about how things work. I want to exhale my last breath here and then inhale my first one in glory and say, Jesus, I'm here And what we were doing there, we're going to continue to do. I'm talking about a shift where your culture changes. And I don't know how to even say this, so I'll just try. He is so wonderful. But these depths are only experienced when you decide to be fully immersed and you take the lid off. The lid of, well, I believe in God, but not this part. Well, I believe in God, but not that part. Why don't you just believe in God? Why don't you decide the Bible's right? Nobody anointed you to be the the grand corrector of everybody in the body of Christ. Why don't you just be filled? Why don't you just pour out what you do know? I don't want to just like Christ. I want to be like Christ. I don't want people to just know His name because of me. I want them to know what He's like because of me. I want them to know what forgiveness can feel like because they're talking to somebody who's been forgiven. The greatest evangelists on the planet are not preachers. The greatest evangelists on the planet are free people. People that are not bound by sin anymore. People that are not bound by ideologies and stinking thinking that have plagued society for generations. Free people that have said, I can't say anything. I just know this Jesus set me free. 
So if he wants me to get in the water, I'm getting in the water. If he wants me to tell people about him, just set me free, Lord. I want to tell somebody about you. If a week goes by and you haven't witnessed to somebody, shame on you as a believer. Time is running out. What you love, you talk about. So if you love him, my God, talk about him. I get so shocked how quickly people melt. And I realize, Jesus, did you set this whole conversation up? I thought I was like walking out on the water here, being brave, using my faith to ask somebody where they stand with you and can I pray with you and all this other stuff. And only to find out in hindsight that they melted. And I think, did you send me here just for that? Here I thought I was making some decisions and you were just, the Bible says it like this. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. I'm talking about a church, a people, a body of believers. Because if you look at this tank, you can see the outline of the jar. But the further away you get, it's hard to see where the kingdom stop, stops and the person starts. What if we were a body of believers where it was hard to see where we start and he stopped? What if our first thing was, yeah, I forgive. What if our first thing was, yes, Jesus will set you free. Let them come up with all their own butts. Most people, most people just need to get their butt out of the way anyway. Well, I believe God will do it. But, but what? God will do it. The Bible says with man it's impossible. But with God, come on somebody, all things are possible. I'm talking about a change, a shift, a lifestyle, a culture. For the sake of your children, <laughs> you can't be two different people. You got to be the same. Because if you're not, they're going to pick whichever one, whichever version of you best suits them in the moment. about being fully immersed because when you get in and I mean really in it's impossible to describe how good he is you're just going to have to taste and see I hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do number one subscribe to our show that way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right 